Welcome, everyone. Thanks for coming. We're going to be recording this for a um, Two Coats of Paint podcast, I think. So at the end, we'll have questions. And I'm not sure if the questions will be included in that, but they may be. So you may be recorded, just so you know. Uh, first, I want to thank Lee for the music and the audio. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lee. For the intro music. And um, I'm Sharon Butler. I have a um, publication... An online publication called Two Coats of Paint, and I'm also a painter. And um, thank you to Ellen and Julie for inviting me up here today on this lovely afternoon to meet everyone and see Pauline's work and talk about her painting. And this is Pauline DeCarmo, who's the <laughs> the artist of the uh, paintings inside. And this is actually the first time I've met Pauline, but I've been familiar with her work online for a while. So um, Pauline, I know from listening to other interviews and things, is from Queens and moved up to Hudson a few years ago. And the first, I want to get started, Pauline, if it's all right with you. What, what's going on in your studio today? Like if we were to go into your studio, tell us what's how it's set up. Is there table with something easel what yeah. do you do what are you doing yes the, the, if you were going to go there this afternoon what would you put put on what would you be doing um well, i'm working on some small paintings of chairs um i've done a chair series before and um just working on some planning on working on some portraits um so yeah Basically. So, you know, you, before this series of work, you worked on the figure quite a bit. Yes. Um, I love the figure. Um, and, and I mean, I know from looking at your earlier work online, um, you're quite an accomplished um, figure painter and portraitist. And I'm wondering how, what, what led you to the work that we see here today? Um, well, you know, the world is so crazy right now. And um, I've, you know, went back to my childhood because it felt safe. And um, I don't feel like the world is really safe right now. And that, my paintings comfort me because I, when I just hear what's going on, I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want to hear, and I feel selfish that I don't want to hear about, I don't want to hear about what's going on in the world. It's too painful for me. And I have my own things that are going on um, right now and this was just a way to um, try and feel better mm -hmm. and um, so so there are yeah. paintings that are inspired by your childhood or are they actually depictions of places that you the place that you grew up or? yeah they're depictions and also just my adult life and the last couple of years of things that you know I've been through Mm -hmm. And a lot of that shows in the symbols mm -hmm. that I use in my paintings. So there's some sort of visual symbol or symbol, personal symbolism. Oh, definitely. But is it something that we would know from looking at it, or I think some of it, uh -huh. some of it, like there's a, I guess it's called a cardio, where you see the, you know, when you're on life support or uh -huh. whatever, and you see the, what is that called, a cardio, cardiogram, and it goes in that, and just like the tick marks, yeah. And then numbers with my age, 10, plus, 10 times 5 plus 6 is 56. And uh -huh. just knowing that um, um, we're only here for a while. So we have to make the best of it. <laughs> right, just, right. And just um, 
and just try and go through it and be happy and be kind and be good and be mindful. Yeah. And you've also been working with imagery from a game you used to play yeah. as a child. And, and I see that in a lot of the paintings that are here. And do you think of the game as, is the game kind of a metaphor for life? Um, I don't know the game. So why don't you explain what the game is well, first? It's just like, you know, like a hopscotch, you have that. It's just another game and it's just with bottle caps. And you would fill the bottle caps with, um, with clay or wax or bubble gum. You couldn't, you know, have if you couldn't find your crayons and melt them down because you're not supposed to play with fire. So you use bubble gum. <laughs> and um, I forgot what to. I'm, well, not, just, I'm nervous. Well, <laughs> the game. Like I, I grew up. I grew up in sort of a rural area, and I would have loved to have some blacktop to play a game like that on. You know, so so my childhood was like completely different from yours, and. So I don't, but I'm not familiar with the game Skelly. Well, it's a street game. And back in, you know, in the 70s, oh, back in the 70s, um, in South Jamaica, you know, you could still play in the street. You could, you know, it was still safe. The cars would stop. They really wouldn't, like, just be speeding. So it's still safe to play in the street. Yeah. And go to each other's home and in and out. And now you probably wouldn't leave your door open, but <laughs> but back then you there was this freedom that you had of being outdoors, uh -huh. and unlike now, the children they all on their iPads or their cell phones, right. and they and with COVID, they you know it's not as much activity outside uh -huh. with children now. Um, like so there's kind when of I was, freedom. Yeah, there, there was, was a, a real freedom. Yeah, there was a real freedom up. of getting dirty and and just chasing the butterflies and digging up worms and and hanging your clothes out in the backyard. And uh -huh. Just and so the game Skelly, you would draw on the street these squares with chalk. Uh huh. And um, you would deck. You know, you use different colors and you would just do the best that you you could. It's, getting a square and um each square has numbers and you would have to reach a different level and you would have to knock out your opponent out of the box and they would have to go to the beginning and it the sounds kind of complicated it sounds like it would take a really long time aren't there yeah. like 13 squares in there yeah i think there are 13 squares uh -huh. and and there's six players because you don't want it to get too large because then there'll be too many figures in there. So you try, you take the bottle caps and you try to throw them in the square. Well, no, you, you, you put them down. Yeah. Jessica, where's my skeleton? She has my top because I didn't want to put it in my pocket. We'll all be playing this later. <laughs> well, it's a top. You can use any kind of top, but the, um, the most popular were the Coca-Cola tops. Uh -huh. um, but you would just fill it. You would fill it and to give it some weight and also you can use any kind of you can use bigger tops because if you were a bigger person you're forced i guess when you when you would um um you would put it down and you would just kind of like flick it into the different sections and if you had a long way to go you would really have to like flick it really really hard but it was just a you know it was just a simple game that you know we all played and and it was fun and you know we were young and life was you didn't think about the stuff that adults 
right. thought about. Now I think it's a little different. Right. But just, just to get back to the game for a minute, you take the cap, but you try to knock other people out of the square. <laughs> right, so they would have to and go back. And once you get yours in the square, though, you get to go to the next square. Right, you get to go to the next okay. square. So it was not unlike life, right? Right. In a way, it was it's, very competitive in that there were, right. it was like not everybody could be a winner. Right, you right. Would be trying to, you would be playing against the other people right. and trying to knock them out right. and send them back to the beginning. Right. Interesting. But it was simple. That was it. There wasn't, like, confrontations or, or you know, you just, if you lost, you lost. And right. That was it. Right. Know? There was no arguing it. Right. There was no, I mean, there were. There was but no it fake like, truth. It was just you're either in or you're right. out. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you, your top mattered, you know. Oh, or your top, your top mattered, you know, like how much clay you put on it. And some of us would put a nickel, if you had a nickel, which most of us did not um, growing up in South Jamaica, but you would put a nickel to give it weight and then you would scrape it, uh, get on the concrete and you would scrape it. So, because right now it's kind of slippery and you don't want it to be too, too slippery. You want it to give it some, um, sand it down so it has some... Traction. Thank you. Thank you. So, so then you started making these paintings that were sort of to, to go back to that joy in a way and freedom and unencumbered, stress-free life right. of childhood. Right. And I also incorporate symbols that represent my life now. And Right. But, but interestingly, you also studied typography. Right. And so it's not that surprising that you would then start working with a lot of type symbols and things like that. Words are powerful. So, and sometimes um, if you can't see, if you can't see what's happening in a painting, maybe a word or two might help, help, you know, you to identify with it in some way. Right. I'm sorry. So did you guys guys hear that? Okay. When you were working on figurative, painting did you also have text in them or is this your um, first text based no they've had text and symbols uh-huh. symbols in them but mostly time most of the times i would cover it up because i was like oh they don't really need to know that <laughs> but you can see it in some of the paintings you can see the words coming through but it's faint you, uh-huh. it's not like in your face some right. of it is and some of the words aren't right sometimes you don't really need to um just have big words it doesn't you don't need to use words like forcefully mm-hmm. you can just do it in a, in a gentle kind of way and still have have an effect right um, right but it's also the way that you're drawing the words too you know because you're drawing them in, in this very um direct you're not using typography you're not using a typeface you're you're not transferring fonts or anything like that it's like hand-drawn but it's not really hand-drawn uh, is that what your hand draw, your drawing your handwriting is like, or or did no, you make a conscious typographic choice to use the type? No, it's just the way. It's I, just the way you write. Right. Yeah, yeah. I write all over. Yeah, the place. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. So, so you, but you, to get back to school a little bit, and you study typography. You're now teaching. Yes, I am. So, and this was your first semester. No, last semester. Last semester, yeah. right? So, I, I taught painting three classes in painting last semester and two drawing classes. Uh huh. So, you know, usually when you teach a subject, 
that's when you learn the most about it. Yes. Right. Uh, you always learn more. I as found you're that out. It. I found that out with the drawing part of it. So did you? Did what kind of things did you learn? Um, or have you been learning since you've been teaching? Well, I, well, I, I, understand, I, know, I understand perspective, but I never really used it for my own work because I, I felt like I don't really need to. But in, when you're teaching drawing, you, you know, there's always that one student that says, hey, do you know one-point perspective and two-point perspective? And, and I had to really, like, try and brush it up on that part because I just can just see something and just paint or draw it but to try to explain it to a student was much harder than I than I thought <laughs> right so. but then once you know perspective you can use it in different ways right to sort of right. be anti-perspective has a, has mm -hmm. a different right. feel too right. or to do perspective in the wrong way right yeah. I think I was doing it in the wrong way <laughs> but but it worked worked for me and now I have to you know I have to show them the right way yeah yeah so what else have you been teaching color? Uh, yes, painting is much easier than um, teaching. Painting is much easier than teaching drawing uh -huh. because painting um, for me it's just mostly shapes and shades and tones. Um, no really hard edges. And uh -huh. drawing you usually have like you know it's lines, right? Lines and right shapes. And, and this, but so this body of work has a lot of drawing in it. Maybe yeah. that came from your having to teach it. Or have you been doing it since before you started? Well, I've been doing it before I started, but I think that um, teaching really, really um, helped me because my students, when they draw, they, they're very tight. And I'm like, just, just loosen up. And I started to do that, pay attention to that for myself. Yeah. You know, don't hold back. Don't be afraid. Right. Just, just you hear yourself, it. and then you start to think, oh, yeah, maybe I should listen right, to that, too. Right, exactly. Right, exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, does it, do, do, is, your, is your work very much sort of on the cuff, or do, do you actually uh, do some research about it, or is it mostly intuitive? I, it's intuitive, but then I do do research, because I think that, you know, if you, you, you should be able to, like, back Back, back up what you're talking about. <laughs> so, what, what 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 kind of research do you do? Uh, just to see what what's out there and the history of things and the background, and make sure that if I talk about it, I get it right and I uh -huh. know what I'm talking about. Are there artists, you know, from art history that you feel particularly akin to? That if you were to create a timeline, you know, that it would start with someone from a hundred years ago and yeah i would say caravaggio interesting is 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 one and of course uh, basquiat uh-huh and uh, there's so many but i think that those two probably are the biggest influence right but then also you have this really interesting attention to surface too that maybe caravaggio there must be somebody in between. Like I, when I look at your work, I think also of the Bay Area figurative painters, maybe a little bit. Are you familiar with them? Or it was like um, in the in San Francisco, these figure painters. No, it was a while ago. It was in the '60s, I think. Um, what about your surfaces? You want to talk a little bit about your surfaces? Yeah, I spend a lot of time um, 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 on my surface. I put tons of gesso. 
Um, if I'm doing acrylic, tons of gesso and tons of layers, like maybe 20 layers of paint. And then I sand it and I write and then I draw and then I paint it and then I sand it down. And then you can still see the, the faint background of what was there. And then I put a light coat of paint and you can see that come through. And I just keep building. I, I let the background um, build up the, 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 the rest of the painting. Uh-huh. Once I get the background, the rest of it is pretty, pretty simple. Well, it's, it's interesting that you, the way that you treat accidents, right? Where you're not, you're not trying to hide the fact. You know, mm -hmm. I, saw, I recently saw there's a um, show at uh, Museum of Modern Art. It's called uh, Matisse's Red Studio. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with that painting of his, but it's of his work in his studio. And Matisse famously used to he always wanted his canvases to look kind of pristine mm -hmm. and so he would he would if he made an accident he would sand it down mm -hmm. and then paint over it mm -hmm. so that it has this look that it was just sort of this inevitable thing mm -hmm. well in his earlier work that they had in the show some of it you could really see what was underneath it right right and so you, and and that means something different right it's like not like it's just put there in one masterful go but right. that it's a struggle that it's there's yeah. some process of yeah because one day i may feel different from the, the, the day before and i'm like oh god i hate that i don't feel like that today so i'll just paint over it so in a way it's kind of diaristic like the accumulation of marks that are on there and also the text and they, they convey your feeling at, at any given time. Yeah, definitely. And so it's not like you're trying to preserve, um, you know, how you felt on, you know, six months ago on a specific day. Right. You very much feel, it seems like in the paintings, it looks like it's a continuum. Oh, That totally. the whole painting can contain days, months, years worth of anxiety. Yes. Anger. <laughs> anger, all of it. Pain. Yeah. Yeah. Happiness. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, totally. So how do you convey happiness in painting? That's a tough question. How do you convey happiness in general? I don't know. I, I mean, know. I'm really I asking. Mean, I, I, um, I don't know. I mean, that's it in there? That? I mean, there's a lot of pain in those paintings, but mostly there, you know, it's happiness because... I'm I'm here, and you know I had a lot of tough um, situations in my life, and I keep thinking, wow, you know, I'm here right now. You know, and we don't, like I said, know how long we're going to be here. So um, this is my way of just um, showing that I guess that I'm I'm alive, and and there's a past, and there's a future, and time. I'm also interested in the fact that these don't have the figure because I know that you had eight siblings. Six, Was it eight? Seven, seven. Seven I'm, siblings. I'm eight, You're uh, the eight. Um, well, I have a twin sister and she's younger than I am. Okay. But. Just a bit. 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so has it been hard to give up the figure? Um, I mean, I always feel that people who paint the figure are particularly... They like, like other people. They like being around people. They consider yeah. people... You know, they they uh, look at people and uh, understand. They empathize right, yeah. more than maybe people who are abstract painters or don't think about yeah. things like expression or anything like that. And you painted the figure for many years, mm -hmm. and now you're you've taken the figure out. Well, yeah, I, 
um, because this was a different, um, um, how do you call it, not trip, but um, what's the word for it? Just a series, a different body of work. Right, different body, a different path. But I mean, it's interesting because I imagine when you were a kid, there were people around all the time. Yeah. And, but in this paintings Too much. of your childhood, <laughs> in the paintings about your childhood, there aren't any people. <laughs> that's great, yeah, that's exactly it. No people. People, you know, um, people are great, but they can also be tough. And um, so I didn't want to, um, yeah, I, I, like I said, the world is so crazy right now. I just wanted to, like, do something in a happy kind of way, even though some of the symbols are, are reminders, remind me of things that ha has happened to me. Yeah, so. and I guess also when you put the, in your earlier figure paintings, they were mostly one figure, two figures, mm -hmm. and they were, were very sort of, they were much more, they're more complex. Yeah, they were. Emotionally. Yeah, right? totally. <laughs> to, to create. Well, people are complex. Right. <laughs> so, um, and, um, Yeah, I don't know. The figure is is um um that's the figure is is I love the figure. I'm, I'm never going to move away from it. I'm going to go back to. I plan to go back to it this summer, um, for a new body of work. But um, yeah, the figure is hard to talk about. It's like happiness or love, you know. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, well, I don't know. People at the I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to figure people out. Like yeah. if, you, if, you're, if you're trying to paint a, uh, you know, fire escape or something, you know, it, or a chair, it has, there's certain rules that you can follow right. and it comes out the way it's, and you know that it's a chair right. and you know that it's a fire escape right. because of geometry mm -hmm. and perspective and those things, right. right? But people... It's a different thing. Yeah, it's because you have to show like the symbols, or you just put them down. And but to figure it, you know, you need to know where things belong. Not always, you know, because but you want to know that it's a figure and the expression of the figure. That's the part that's different, you know, giving adding giving feeling to that figure and emotions and trying to um, um, bring out what that figure is saying or doing emotionally. Right. And often your figures would be without faces and yet they would still have a, a emotional weight from the use of the color, the line, the affect, I don't know what you call it, the position right. of the body. Yeah. You know, they'd be reductive, but at the same time they would be fully yeah, that's emotionally the, charged. Right, that's the intention to... to, to show the figure but not like put everything out there where you see it like oh I know what that is I want the viewer to like um, like I've had some um, people say oh I, oh man I feel like that you know like that reminds me of something um, and that's what I want I don't want I want the viewer to make their own decisions mm -hmm. so yeah are we the new series that you're thinking of starting. I mean, do you usually work with people you know or mod, you know, models that you yeah, hire? Some, or? Well, some of them I know, and others are just from my from my head. Um, I just paint paint a figure. Uh huh. 
So, but the next series, uh, it will be, I'm hoping to do paintings of my, of my family. Oh. Because I'm from Guyana, and in my family, we're all mixed, you know, so... My mom was fair with green eyes and straight hair. My dad was dark with kinky hair and brown eyes. And so the whole, you know, all my sisters are we're all like different tones and eye colors. And my son is half Dutch, so I'm just going to, um, and I have some nephews that are really dark. And so I just want to like, I'm um, hoping to do just like black and white. And then the only thing that would be in color would be the eyes. So I, I gave that away today. <laughs> I shouldn't have asked. No, no, it's it's good. It's good. It's still going to be interesting. It sounds like a great project. Are they all in this area, or do you have to work from photographs? Or um, some will be from photographs and just memory, like because I know what my family looks like. So well, you knew well. You knew what they looked like. Well, we zoom, so I know what they look like. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, well, that sounds pretty interesting. And also very timely, considering all of the, you know, changes in our country mm. and everything else. And, you know, it's just so difficult. But it's also a way of bringing in the political without, with it being completely personal. Right? Oh, yeah. You know, because I have some of my family who are Trump supporters. So that's interesting to see, you know, because <laughs> um, we didn't. When they they voted for Trump, I just cut them off. And then when he lost, I was like, okay, we can be friends again. <laughs> and they're in Florida, so it's, um, I mean, it's still tough, you know, tough to, um, they're probably going to listen to this. To, um, we don't talk about certain things. Right. You know, so. Right. Right. And, um, yeah, that is really hard. And things don't change just because Trump has gone out of office, necessarily. No. Especially in Florida. In Florida. <laughs> Especially in Florida. Right. But, you know, I suppose it's a really good way to reconnect with your family through the project. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, be interesting. Because I haven't gotten in touch with some of them, but I will. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what, uh, what happens with yeah. that. Me too. <laughs> what else? What else do you have coming up? Um, school in September. I want to give a shout oh. out to my my high school teacher. Is she here? No, he's dead. Oh. <laughs> he's dead. But but he he's um, got me into Parsons School of Design on uh -huh. a full scholarship and um, a counselor at Parsons. She's still alive and she helped me to get back into college because I left. Parsons in my last year, my first semester of my last year, uh -huh. and I never graduated, and then I went back when I think when I was in 38, and she was able to get me in on a full scholarship, so I want to say thank you to her and my professor, Leo, who's the head of the department at City College. That's great. He's the one who gave me, got me a lot of um, scholarships and the position at, at City College, so. You know, I, ha I do have a, a question. When I was listening to your interview with George, I think it was George, and you talked about wanting to do a book. You said you'd like to study art history and you wanted to write a book about your experience yeah. in the art world. What would that be what would that be if you had to sort of flesh that out? I'm very curious. Like would it start with your childhood or would it be more about your art 
since you've become an artist? Would it be your relationship to the art world? I think it would start with my childhood. Uh-huh. All of the above. And you seem to have come out of a career as a designer and moved into a painted career without too much anxiety. <laughs> Am I wrong? Yeah, I think I've considered myself pretty lucky. So, but I've worked hard. And, yeah. And um, did the work. So, so what advice would you give to other students? You just have to... Stop smoking pot? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Smoke more pot? Yeah. If you're 21. Right. right. I don't want to be a bad influence, but I am a, I am a um, um, encourager of pot, so. <laughs> well, you were um, telling me that when you were in high school, you were a very bad student. Yeah, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't a, yeah, I was a bad student because I didn't go to school and I smoked a lot of pot. But things were pretty crummy at home, so um, um, that's what I did. And my art class was the only class that I felt like, like, you know, it was an escape. It was an escape. That class was unlike any other class. It was free and you were able to just put your thoughts out on the paper and the paint and that was great uh-huh so pretty much that's it well t tell us about the um the time you spent between your first um leg at parsons and when you went back okay so um I thought I was going to go into fashion illustration. I got a certificate for it, but then I was like, I'm not a fashion person. And then my parents, I told them I wanted to go to art school, and they were like, you can't do that. Because, you know, we're from Guyana, and when you come here, they expect you to be like a doctor or a lawyer. And um, my dad was um, a dental assistant, so he made dentures and false teeth. Mm -hmm. and impressions and my mom was a nurse's aide so they worked really hard so they expected that kind of of, of direction for me and and they were like you can't go to you're going to be a painter you can't do that so I said okay I'll go into design and they were like okay so that's when I went into but I didn't really really want to do that I wanted to be a painter but um I did and I'm glad I did because it going to Parsons and um you know, um, getting the degree in design, it really helps my work, like to understand space and where to put things and right. why you put things where where they are. Right, so. and also the symbolism. Yeah, but but what happened? You know, why did you leave Parsons in the final I year? I fell in love with my son's father, <laughs> ah. <laughs> and um, forgot about school and. Not now, not that, not afterwards. It, I mean, it was a good reason, but it really um, hurt me as far as like um, being paid what I should be paid in when I was working in a design firm. You know, compared to the student, the you know the employees who had degrees, I didn't have one, so right. I couldn't get. You that. had all the skills, but not yeah, the credentials. Right. And yeah, so I felt like wow, you know, and I had a 
you know, I was a single mom, and I was like, I need to make, I need to make a better living. So I went back, and um, my friend Maya, um, counselor, she really, you know, she helped me, and she got me in, and right. everything was great. Right. And they paid for it. So. Yeah. Is your son here? No, he's not here. He's yeah. in New Jersey. Oh. <laughs> So he must be an adult now. Yeah, he's, I think he's going to be 27. Yes. So j j mission accomplished. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And now you're committing yourself full-time to painting. Yeah, trying to. Uh-huh. Trying to. Yeah. I want to continue. Uh-huh. So do you, um, now that you teach... You don't necessarily have... When I listened to your other interview, you had many other part-time jobs that you used to do. Yeah. And that must make it easier to have the teaching and not have to do all the other things. Yeah. And yeah, so, I've had all kinds of jobs. And so the teaching, you know, informs the work that you're doing in the studio, and your studio work informs the teaching. Right. Probably right. it makes life a little easier mm -hmm. when it's all related. Yes. Yes. It definitely makes it easier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Do you have anything else you want to tell us about, or um, maybe some questions? I don't know. Questions. It's if people, if questions. What were I thinking? Do we have questions? Yes. Yeah, it's all of all of the above. Well, I, I don't know if any of you had, no, but I had breast cancer five years ago. And, um, and ever since then, I think about my time and how, and then I had another scare in, in October and but it all turned out fine. But time and to, you know, you're not, we're here for a short, for, you know, and I want to make the best of it. So I pay attention to, to my days and my time and what I do with it and to stop working at a certain time with school and wind down my day and not work till all hours in the night and not get enough rest and not eat properly and just, you know, take a look at the time and not look at it where I'm always looking at the time, but how fast it goes by and, um, and that it can... Here today, gone tomorrow, you never know. So. It's true, and you know, with all of the um, world problems, mm -hmm. it has sucked up so much of people's time. Yeah. Paying attention mm -hmm. to that, mm -hmm. you know, and it's mm -hmm. time you're not going to get back. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Other question? Thank you for that question. Um, In the black mask there? Okay. Why do you focus on one or two areas from your childhood in this series of work? Because it's safe. <laughs> those areas were those safe. You know, they were safe for me. Probably the safest time of my life was 
when that age, when you don't have to worry. And all my sisters and brothers were older, so they were, you know, supposed to take care of us. And and they did for the most part and didn't, but <laughs> but um, I just felt that was the safest time of my of, of my life. I feel safe, and now now I feel like really safe. I have some really really great friends, and most of them are here, and I really believe in my friends and family and and having fun everyone knows i like to have fun and talk and and just enjoy enjoy my life thank you uh, i love your paintings thank I, you I think they have a very strong sense of place and they most of them do refer back to queens right? yes and and but you don't live there anymore. no my my um my parents house. still have a house. They my sister, house. yeah, my sister and my so brother. You go visit every so often. <laughs> well, when I before COVID, I would go visit, but yes. not now because my brother, who was a, he's not vaccinated, Got and um, he's, he's a he, I think he's a Trumper. He's he's a he's a he's a he's he's not a nice guy, but um, um, yeah, and that's another every reason. Family has. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, one, one more question. There, there, you have some strong visual tropes, I think, in these paintings, and two of them are, um, in addition to the skelly um clotheslines and ladders, which I gather are parts of fires. Yes. Is there anything, is that just because those are part of your childhood urban landscape, or do they have some extra resonance? Well, the ladders, I always feel like I'm like, like, climbing a ladder like there's always like something happens and then it dies down and then something else happens and I'm like oh my god I just I just got to get up that I just got to get up that ladder and once I get there I'll be fine but I always feel like I'm climbing climbing and climbing, climbing. like the next painting is going to be the one the best <laughs> one right <laughs> yeah I think so How about yeah the well the clothesline reminds me of my, we, you know, there were eight of us. Yeah, right. So, and I remember, like, in our backyard was super small. And I remember always, like, hiding in behind the, the sheets. And, and look out the window. And right, and everyone had clotheslines right. everywhere. And, and the fires, when I would go to the projects, just visit my friends, clotheslines and everywhere. So, and I just love the way the clothes blow in the wind and... It just shows, um, like, there's life, life. When you see clothes, you know that there's life there. Whatever kind of life it is. Family life. Right. Puts it in a certain time frame. Yes, true. Any other questions? Um, with the faces, um, just I always feel like um, there's someone watching, watching over me. So um, that's what they are, just someone watching, like someone has my back, no, 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 no matter what, you know, because um, I always have that fear that, you know, the cancer may come back. I don't know if anyone's been through that, but you always have that fear. Of, of something like that happening. So I always feel like there's someone who's always there to watching over me and saying it's okay. 
question? Any, anyone else? All right. Well, thank you so much for You're talking welcome. about your work today. It's been great. I was a little nervous. Ah, thank you. It's great. Thank you all for coming. We'll be around, you know, if anybody wants to have any other questions. What time is it? Thanks. Thank you, Julie thank and Ellen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, everyone, for coming. And, yes, Sharon and Pauline are going to stick around. You can ask them questions and look at the show. Okay. Thanks so much. Thank you for coming. How was that? It's okay. I'm going to turn that off because I don't know how to do it from here. No, I live in Queens.